From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Kevin Kelly. Ah, Lance Maker Dance. On May 29, 2014, we get to talk about the Lance Stevenson show last night, even though it was really the Paul George show. But Lance just got fined $10,000 for flopping. Roy Hibbert also got fined $5,000 for flopping, but the Pacers did not flop. They stay in the Eastern Conference Finals. We will get a Game 6. Welcome into the Pick and Pod. Kenny Ducey, across from Kevin Kelly. Matt Rosenfeld joining us via the telephone today. That's a first for you, Matt. Yeah, you know, I'm not in the Bronx right now. Handling things in New Jersey, so glad to join you guys on the phone. Handling things. I hope you're handling things. (laughs) I really do. I I I hope New Jersey is just okay because Matt Rosenfeld is in control. <laughs> um, man, though, that, that we'll be joined by Sean Hyken of Sports on Earth at Hyken. You probably know him from Twitter uh, in uh, a few minutes to talk about the game last night that he was at. Uh, but, I mean, we'll talk about it just for a minute here because it was it was crazy that he almost ended the series in the corner with Chris Bosh, a wonderful uh, correct, I think we have to say, too, for some people out there, pass from LeBron, LeBron James that almost won that game. And, I mean, he won it uh, in the in one of the Nets. He won the Nets series with that pass. Yeah, as soon as I saw that David West, David West missed that free throw, excuse me, I was texting with my friend and I said, Bosh is going to come down and hit a three because that's just what I've got grown used to seeing Bosh do. In the Celtics series a few years ago, he hit the exact same shot from the corner. And I was just waiting for Bosch to do it. He thought it would be Ray Allen, but it does end up going to Bosch, and he just happened to miss it. And that's, what, that's what Bosch does now. He's a three-point specialist. So yeah. I was kind of shocked he missed it. He usually drains him from that corner. He, he, does, he got he that at, easy bank earlier on. He was kind of laughing on the way back. I think he was 11 of 20. He's 11 of 20 in, I think, the playoffs from that spot. It could just be this series. It might be okay. just this series. Actually, that sounds maybe more right, but I mean, he, the point is, he's shooting a high percentage from that specific corner, and from three, he's been pretty good this year in general, and even in clutch situations, he's very good in the clutch. Yeah, there's no question LeBron made the right decision there. I just don't, I can't even believe people are saying he didn't, and Hibbert is, it's like, we'll get to, it's definitely just to get in their heads, the Miami Heat's heads, but I, I just don't really doubt that. There's no doubt that he made the right decision. I mean, you, he was open in the corner for a high, what is a high percentage shot for Chris Bosh. He would have taken so much contact at the rim, and you know he wasn't getting a call. I, I can't argue with that logic. He definitely made the right call. But how about, how about Paul George last night, guys? I mean, he just, he just hit everything he looked at. Yeah, he was while he was heating up. I was just getting so excited. It's just so much fun to watch a performance like that when he has. I think. It, how many of his uh, 31 in the second half did he have in the fourth quarter? It was like 21 or something? 27, I think. 20, oh, wow. That's huge. He was just – it was ridiculous. He missed that one three, but they ended up getting the rebound, and he gets it back on the wing and just drains that shot while managing to stay in bounds and not travel. It, Incredible. It might have been It might have been that play, but there was one fadeaway three hit from, like, the left wing that was – Yeah, that, that's the one. It was one. the nail in the – I was like, you got to be kidding me at this point. Oh, that yeah, was the was, point. I put my hands up. He was next level hot. Like he was throwing up shots that were bad shots, but they were going in, and that's when it was kind of like all you could do is smile and enjoy it. Exactly. Um, I I mean the Heat though probably still have control, right, of this of this series. I mean I don't think no we're doubt. thinking the Pacers are going to win, right? No doubt. Yeah, yeah they ha- they have control, but it'll be really interesting if they can push it to seven. If the Pacers. But yeah, it, it is very. 
very interesting because when you go to this game six now, Miami kind of has a lot of pressure on them because the last thing you want to do is go to back to Indianapolis for a game seven. That's what the Pacers have wanted this whole time. So the, the pressure has shifted a little bit towards Miami. Yeah. I think that Lance Stevenson has to calm down a little bit, though. I, I just – I think. I, I think that – well, I don't know, though, because I love this Lance. I love watching Lance, but at the same time, I mean, you can try to get under LeBron's skin, but there is a point, and I'm even okay with, like, the the blowing in his ear, but I don't know, the flop that he had last night was a little over the top to me. It's funny. I I love seeing this from Lance. It's funny that the same day he said he was in the wrong for doing it, he continued to do it. I love oh, the blowing in the ear. because he's Lance. I I love that type of old school basketball where there's a bunch of trash talk. It's going back and forth. The blowing in the air is hilarious to me. I think it's. I'm with you, I'm with you, Kev. I, I thought that was awesome. I wish more guys trash talk and mess with other guys on the court. I mean, he walked into the Miami Heat huddle during a timeout yesterday. He that was all awesome. his antics, no, I, all his antics were great. I'm not saying that. I, I just I had a problem with the flop because I thought the flop was. I, I laughed out loud. I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but that was a little much to me. Um, because I don't know, because I think he should, especially in that situation, it was in the second half, just, you know, it was in the fourth quarter, actually be kind of sticking in the game. Although, I mean, he was trying to draw a, a, you know, another foul on LeBron, which would have been huge. I don't know. Look, I mean, I was the guy who said when, uh, maybe a couple months ago that Lance was going to be awesome to watch in these playoffs because you just knew he was going to be crazy. And he is, he's insane in the head. And I, I think... I, I mean, honestly, if there's anything that's going to tilt this series towards the the Pacers, it's going to be Paul George and Lance Stevenson, and that's it. Like, I don't, I know that Roy Hibbert was so def, definitively great in that series last year, but I just feel like they need scoring output. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't like, disagree. I, Hibbert can bang down there. Hibbert can, you know. Like cause problems, but at the end of the day, Dwayne Wade's playing extremely well. LeBron James is the greatest player in the world. You need Paul George and Lance Stevenson to be scoring, you know, over probably about sixty percent of the Pacers' points. That's a lot, but I don't know. I don't disagree with that. The one thing I have to say, just to go back to the flopping talk, is LeBron tried to do the same thing with Lance Stevenson when he, he was at the top arms. of the key. But no, Lance, oh, oh, even no. when he's trying to go up with that three, when LeBron was trying to go up with it, and then he was whining to the officials for like a good minute and a half after that. It was outrageous. You watched the replay, there was nothing there for a foul call. Well, you made a good point about the scoring Indiana needs, Kenny. And the thing I've been noticing is that guys like CJ Watson, George Hill have just been completely absent this series. And it's borderline put Indiana to death. They need guys to hit their shots and be able to at least spread the floor because you can't count on that kind of performance from Paul George again, can you? No, I mean, I don't think you can. Even no. I mean, especially be, especially because Paul George is good in the weird... It's like, he's good in like six game spurts, you know what I'm saying? Like That's the weirdest thing, and I feel like at any point Paul George could all of a sudden just, you know, be like he could shoot two for 14 uh, one night or well, two for his first yeah, 14 at least. You're right. He's very unpolished. I mean, it's important to remember the dude's only 24 years old. He's still got a long way to go developing-wise, but it's a good call. He's not really consistently superstar yet, and I guess that's the step he needs to take to become, uh, you know, one of those elite superstars in the league. All right, now it's time to talk to our guest, Sean Hyken from Sports on Earth. You can follow him at Hyken, which is, was, you know, 
unsurprisingly not taken, and we are uh, some of the few Soldier Boy fans still around. And Sean, you were uh, you were there for a crazy game last night. How how was it there? Uh, it was probably the weirdest playoff game I've ever watched, and certainly the weirdest game I've ever covered in person. Uh, it was just, I mean, just, first of all, LeBron getting in foul trouble as early as he did. He picked up his fifth foul 30 seconds into the third quarter. That never happened. I don't think I've ever seen him have five fouls in the third quarter at all. I think, and I think he's fouled out like a handful of times in his entire career. So it was just really weird to see him be such a non-factor in the game. And then, you know, there was all this stuff with Lance Stevenson that was obviously taking up a lot of people's attention with the whole, uh, him, uh, him, blowing in in LeBron's ear, sneaking into the huddle, all that kind of stuff. I mean, what do you think that really does for the Pacers or maybe it, it, it does something against the Pacers because he is really, I mean, surprisingly it was this morning, the story was like LeBron and oh, why did he pass out of that shot? And we'll, we'll get there in a second. But I mean, Lance Stevenson's just been fined by the NBA $10,000 for um, like touching LeBron and then running away and jumping and being all dramatic. Uh, it was a really funny flop, but I mean, does that hurt the Pacers? Because you feel like maybe he's trying to get under LeBron's skin and it, it sort of felt like he might have, but at the same time, he's, he's making a fool of him. Himself. He is, but I mean, LeBron. Did, to be fair, LeBron didn't seem like he was really bothered by it at all. They asked him about it after the game, and he was just like, "I don't even pay attention to that stuff." So, well, I mean, it's not really surprising. LeBron has been there so many times at this point that we sort of he, he knows what he's got to do. He knows they just need to get one more win to get to the finals. Yeah, I mean, the the stuff that Stevenson does is sort of aside from basketball. It's it's definitely a distraction, but it's also I think that I think his teammates realize at this point that all that stuff comes with Lance Stevenson, the basketball player. They need Lance Stevenson, the player, and you know to be at the top of his game in order for them to even have a chance at beating Miami. So I think they're kind of willing to accept some of this other stuff if it also comes with Lance playing well, which I think he has so far in the series. Sean, so there are a couple of things that the Pacers have blown this game that people would have pointed to for the reason why. There was the Paul George missed free throw after he got fouled before the inbounds. David West ended up missing a free throw that would have put them up by three. And then there was George Hill going up for that layup. What did you think of that play? Did you think George Hill should have dribbled it out on the baseline or done what he did and tried to go up with that layup? Well, I, I mean, I, I think at that point, like, it's not like the Pacers had it. And, and with, even as well as George has been playing, the Pacers uh, have kind of struggled whenever anybody has held onto the ball for too long. So having him dribble out to the perimeter to try to get a shot off, I don't know if that would have worked. But I, I think I think it would have been – I think what he did was fine. And I, I think if he makes it, you live with it. How silly was it this morning to, or even last night, to just hear all these people second guessing uh, this ten-time All-Star and four-time MVP who made a great decision in passing to the corner and Chris Bosh? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's not really surprising though when you think about all the things that are really said about LeBron James on a daily basis. Well, who's well? Who was questioning it? Was it well, just like random I, people on Twitter, or was it like is this like an actual thing? Though? Well, or, it, well. Or is this- Mostly it was like random people on Twitter, but Roy Hibbert, um, if I'm not mistaken, he, did, he, he yeah. definitely said that uh, he said something like LeBron is so great finishing through contact, like you know, in paraphrasing here, why didn't he go up with the ball? Yeah, he said it was I a mean, higher percentage shot. Now it is Roy yeah. Hibbert, and like we, you know, you know, we've questioned Roy Hibbert and his, you know, mind and his makeup as a basketball player, but I mean, he said that. That's a thing. 
Well, he said that because he was they they had won this game and he kind of wanted to cap LeBron. It was another mental game, just like the stuff Lance Stevenson was doing. He wanted to get LeBron second guessing himself. I don't think I'd really take very seriously any of the stuff, anything that Roy Hibbert says about the last play that LeBron tried to make in that game. As what's up with any of this stuff? As far as like why did he pass out? Why did he pass to Bosch? I just tune all that stuff out at this point. He's been making that play his entire career. It was obviously the right play to make it. And if, if, if your whole if, if your thing is oh well he should have shot over four guys who were on him because he because he's the most clutch or whatever that's you know that's that's just that's nonsense. So Sean, do you think I, I'm going to switch it over to the Pacers here just for a second? Go back that way. Do you think Paul George is close to his ceiling? Every late in the season, everyone started writing him question. off as a superstar, but now it looks like everybody's overreacting the other direction and saying now he is a superstar. He's really growing up. What do you think of that? I, I mean, I think he's, he's still young, and he, we've seen how good he can be. Uh, for, you know, lately during the playoffs, and also for the you know the first what two months of the season when he's looking like pretty much an MVP candidate. Uh, I think he's that good. It's just a matter of getting the consistency there, and I think he will when he you know as he gets older. Now, Sean, uh, I'm going to stick with the pace just for like I don't know, maybe like one more question, and then we'll just go to the Heat and wrap up this series. Go out west uh, to the boring Spurs. You know, Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert, we've seen we've seen good Roy Hibbert in these playoffs, which I don't think anyone yeah. really. I mean, I don't know. Some people probably expected it, but I mean, we saw a lot of bad Roy Hibbert this year. Uh, we've seen some bad Roy Hibbert in the playoffs too. You've been following the Pacers uh, for a good amount of games in, in this postseason. I mean, what can we expect from Roy Hibbert going forward? Is this like a motivation factor? Is it like a a, a toss up at this point how he's going to play? I legitimately have no idea. I certainly don't agree with any of these uh, people that we're seeing completely writing the guy off because he's had you know a bad couple months of regular season and a bad playoff series. He was he killed the Heat last year. Basically, they they didn't have an answer for him uh, in the conference finals last year, and he was really consistent at that point. I think he can get back to that. Uh, I think I think this whole season has just been such a, a drain on everybody in that locker room, and that includes Hibbert, and that includes Paul George, that includes whoever. I think I think they're going to be a lot better with a fresh start next season. If the Pacers can push this series to seven, do you think they have a shot advancing to the finals? Do you think they will get that game at home? I know it'll be tough for them to win in Miami, but do you think getting back to Indiana with that that crazy crowd that seems to be getting back into it, do you think that'll be enough for them? I don't think they're going to win this series. And, in fact, I would be shocked if Miami didn't close it out tomorrow. I think LeBron, you know, he got in foul trouble so early and he was basically taken out of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if he just drops 50 tomorrow. I mean, is there anything at this point? Because th- there was a moment, and I think it came a couple of games ago, where, like, LeBron just drove in and finished through so much contact uh, that I was like, you know what, I don't think there's really anything that might stand in the way of this guy winning a title. I think he's going to go out and get it. I mean, is there anything, I think probably the obvious answer here is like Durant and the Spurs and that's it, but maybe anything else you could think of that would really stand between LeBron and his third title? If he keeps getting five fouls through two quarters and 30 seconds, like he did last night, I think that might make it kind of hard for him. But otherwise, you know, I've had Miami winning the title since the summer and I've seen no reason not to stick with that. Now, the other potential team, the, now I had the Clippers to win the title, and they were ousted by the Thunder. I had How, the Clippers winning the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I, I, I obviously it was like a huge, huge gamble to say that they would beat the Heat, but I mean, I thought the Clippers would come out of the West too, and now you look at the Thunder. Ibaka is, I just want to ask you about that real quick. 
um, because I I like to rile people up. And you look at this Ibaka injury, I mean, is it kind of like blatantly showing that the Thunder were lying about this injury? Or do you really think it was some some magic, some sorcery? I don't know what it would be, but it just it just seems so weird to me that Abaka was ruled out for the season and all of a sudden, or not the season, but at least the series, and all of a sudden he comes back and he's producing very well, moving around extremely well for the Thunder. I mean, is it medicine or is it the Thunder line? I think, well, I think the Thunder's training staff is, uh, you know, I, I think they probably know what they're doing. And the other thing is, I mean, sometimes these injuries aren't as bad as they seem at first. If you, you know, he had maybe the day he got examined, at first, they were like, oh, well, this is really serious. You can't play the rest of the playoffs. And then if he gets to look at the next, you know, three days later, and it's like, oh, this isn't that bad, and, you know, maybe there's a chance he can play. I'm not going to sit here and speculate on what may be going on behind the scenes because I don't really, we don't really have any information on that. But I don't think there's anything to be suspicious of. So I think asking what's wrong with the Spurs would be an overreaction. Instead of that, who needs to step up for them? Is it Kawhi? He's had a couple of rough games in a row here. Or do you think it's just going to be a collective effort? It's always a collective effort with the Spurs. Yeah, Kawhi has definitely not played as well as he has earlier in the playoffs, but I don't think you can put it all on one guy with this team. This, this Spurs just don't seem like they have the athleticism to counter a Thunder team with a healthy Ibaka. If you look at the these two games, I, after the, I picked, I picked uh, Spurs in five at the beginning of the series because I thought that Ibaka wasn't going to play. And then after the first two games, I was thinking maybe that was even being too generous to Oklahoma City because it just didn't look like they could hang at all. But with Ibaka back, and now they, the other thing that people don't really talk about because the big change was, oh, well, you know, Serge Ibaka is back, and that's obviously a huge help for them. But they also, Scott Brooks in game three also moved Reggie Jackson into the starting lineup over Cephalosha. So now they went from having only two guys in the starting lineup who could score to having four. And that's just a lot more... Uh, more different threats on the floor that uh, San Antonio has to keep up with, even for a defense as good as Spurs. And, you know, shifting to that mid-series, I am so torn on who I think is going to win this series. I kind of feel like Oklahoma City is, because they've just been flat-out better since Ibaka came back at both ends of the floor. But I also just don't want to bet against the Spurs. They still have home court advantage. I... I don't. I don't. This is a really tough one to call. It is. It's. It's because the Spurs. You, you kind of see what you saw last year, which gave you just the slightest doubt with their age and Ginobili, and uh, well, maybe not the same. The same exact story, but you know, th- there are still some doubts, even though it's like you can't ever doubt the Spurs. Uh, you bring up something interesting though with the Thunder that I, I want to ask you about because Reggie Jackson uh, was in the starting lineup and he got hurt in that last game, and they had to go to Jeremy Lamb. In the case that Jackson reaggravates his injury, because I mean he'll, I mean probably be fine. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I assume he will. What would you do in that scenario? Is it the same moves that Scott, the same move that Scott Brooks went with Jeremy Lamb? Is it something else? What, what do you do if you're the coach? Well, I, I, I mean Lamb hasn't been terrific, but he hasn't been playing badly enough that you can't start him, and he's certainly more of a threat to score than Pablo Cephalosha, who Jackson replacing the starting lineup. So I think you maybe roll with him over that, or maybe if he wants to really just like, troll everybody, he could like throw Derek Fisher in the starting lineup <laughs> in the backcourt with Westbrook. So that's, those are the two things he could do. And I would, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably likely that Jackson's fine. Is he the future Knicks coach, by the way, Derek Fisher? Seems like that's who still wants. I, mean, I don't, I don't know what, I, I, 
given up trying to predict anything the Knicks do, but it, it really seems like that's still going after now that Steve Kerr took the Warriors job. Now, Kenny mentioned before uh, Manu Ginobili, and he has not been great in the series. In game, he's pretty much the only Spur who had a solid game in Game 3. But other than that, it's the same old disappearing act. The past couple of years, it keeps seeming to just come back to haunt the Spurs. How much of an issue do you think that'll be for the Spurs? you think it'll prevent them from getting in the next round? Or how do you think this will affect them? Well, I, we, we've kind of seen that in the last couple of years. Manu didn't have a great final, so he showed up in a couple of games. I think, you know, it's sort of the same thing with the way Miami has handled Dwayne Wade. I think they sort of know that they have to be careful with Manu, and he, and they're just, you know, saving him for the right moment. I think now that the series is tied up, you're going to see them maybe give him more freedom. You're going to see him be more aggressive. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got a huge game from him tonight. I, I want to ask you uh, about the Spurs here as well, because you look at, and I know I, I just asked a lineup question, but, you know, I think it was maybe Mark Jackson who was saying, Start some of the second unit guys uh, out in the game. Like start Boris Diaw and uh, you know, I mean, I don't think he said Bellinelli, but I mean, do you? It's obviously no one's going to be Popovich, but I mean, would you kind of maybe shake the lineup up a little bit, or are you confident going forward with this starting group? I don't think anything is going to make Popovich change up what he's doing. I think that would be a admitting weakness, which is not something really he, he does. He's just, yeah, well, how, I, how about Hykinovich, though? Like, what does Hykinovich do in this situation? I, I mean, it, it couldn't hurt to try it out. If they, I mean, maybe that would be something to do for game six. Maybe see how they look tonight. If, if, if tonight it's still just not working and they still can't keep up with the Thunder, maybe then you look at uh, – switching up the lineup a little bit. But right now, the series is tied. They still got home court advantage. There's no reason not to just keep rolling with what they have and what's worked all year. All right, before we let you go, uh, just a couple of kind of prediction-type questions. Uh, who's okay. your who's your wild card right here for the rest of the playoffs? Because, I, I mean, in in the case that there's some crazy, uh, you know, the, like, I don't know, Aaron Baines game again or something like that, for a team that maybe is looking for some help, whether it be like, I don't know, the Thunder with some bench depth with a couple guys dinged up or the Spurs with, you know, someone who just needs to kickstart their offense. Like, I mean, who knows, Corey Joseph. Uh, who is that candidate for you? Rashard Lewis hit six three-pointers last night against the Pacers. And so when, you know, when the Heat are in the finals, I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to get into the finals. Every But the last two years they've been in the finals, they've won the championship. In the deciding game, you've had somebody randomly just hit a ton of three-pointers. You had Mike Miller in 2012 against the Thunder. You had uh, Battier last year against the Spurs. Now it seems like Richard Lewis has kind of come alive a little bit at the very least. So if he keeps shooting like that, then I think that's going to be a huge X factor for uh, Miami. I feel like for I think he had one made three or maybe even no made threes coming into that game if I'm not mistaken. Would you, would you happen to know that? I don't. I forget. That sounds that sounds right. He had not really played at all or, or played well. Yeah, it was until that game last night. I think it probably was a fluke, but I still wouldn't rule it out. I, I think it was maybe even yeah. like no buckets or something like that. It, it was something crazy. But um, anyway, so what? Well, before we we get you back onto Twitter, um, what? is your prediction going forward in these playoffs? I, I think you kind of said that the Heat are going to make the finals and go, um, it, would, you would say, in six. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then, okay, so if you had to, a gun to your head, is it going to be the Spurs or the Thunder to lose to the Heat in the finals? And in how many games? Uh, it's going to go seven either way. 
both in the Western Finals and in the Finals. I think I'm going to just go with San Antonio just because I know better than to bet against them at this point, but I do think Miami's going to win the title again. Is uh, is Ray Allen going to step out of bounds again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that was that was so frustrating to just sit on the couch and watch and yell. No, I wasn't really. I wasn't yelling, but my parents I were was. asleep. You were yelling. I was, yeah. He, my, was, he was definitely out of bounds. It, that was the most frustrating play to watch ever. Uh, uh, I can't even think about it. It just makes my blood boil. Anyway, Sean, uh, one of these days you're going to have to teach me how to hold a recorder because apparently you do it in a very uh, unique and effective way uh, in your Twitter uh, picture there. So I uh, appreciate the time coming on the podcast. It's uh, Sean Kaiken, not Sean Kaiken, Sean Hyken of Sports on Earth at Hyken. Uh, joining us here on the podcast. Sean, thanks. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, take care. Really enjoyed that stuff from Sean, a a great guest, and uh, hopefully we get him on again in the future. Um, And and some really, you know, good, you know, hot, fresh takes on the Indiana Pacers (laughs) series, Kev, because I I think that, you know, when we look at Paul George and we look at Roy Hibbert, I think we forget a lot about last year. I mean, he, he made that point that Roy Hibbert kind of, killed the pacer the, the heat last year and we can't really write off Roy Hibbert as much as we want to as much as he you know it's like okay he's not that he's been pretty pretty bad this year he's still I, I think that he can still be good Roy Hibbert as we've seen in these playoffs and still make a difference I agree I what I remember from last year the most is his touch in the lane he would go up with a shot and he, it would bounce around the rim a little bit it would hit off the backboard maybe but it would drop and I remember he was just so confident he was going up strong and it was incredible to watch because the Heat really had nobody to guard him. The down low, I mean, they had Chris Anderson, but who couldn't really do much against Hibbert. It was really that anderson uh, Hansbro battle that was going back and forth. If Hibbert can play like that, then I think the Pacers can win this game, win the series in seven. I, I think no. I, I was going to say I think it's important to realize. Yeah, Hibbert was kind of awful the first two series and awful pretty much the whole last third of the year. But when the Pacers play the Heat, they kind of all get that spark. They're kind of they're much more inspired, and I think that's why you see old Roy Hibbert, good Roy Hibbert, more often now. And I think it's not it wouldn't be surprising at all if he consistently played well against the Heat. Well, it's especially Matt because it goes back not only to last year but the year before that. I mean, the year they really had a a, a hand around the Heat's throat. I mean, as as Lance Stevenson kind of joked with the choking symbol. I mean, they, I, they were in control of, of that series against the Heat. They let it get away. I mean, this is a team that really, really. Just it's like they're. I I feel like if they beat the Heat, they wouldn't even care about the finals. I mean, obviously they would, but I, I don't. I mean, it's like at that. That's their goal. Beating the Heat in the Eastern Conference Final is their goal. I think you're right. I think you know I, I mean? absolutely agree with you that 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 would be their ultimate. They're like achievement. They're like Kurt Warner. Like Kurt Warner, all he wanted to do is just get back to the Super Bowl. And I mean, like you know, he he, stoked. he almost won it though. So don't. He, he did. That was a close <laughs> one. If it wasn't for James Harrison. Yeah, but he could be happy about going to the Super Bowl. I think the Pacers would be extremely happy about just just beating the Heat. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? But I, I, I think you look at this team, you mentioned Roy Hibbert. If he was good, you know, that's a factor. How about David West, who com- I think it was game four, was just completely in control of that first quarter. You look at George Hill, who it, it was garbage time, I think, in game three or game four, but was just drilling threes left and right. But at Matt, Matt, as you said, he hasn't been there this series. The Pacers, to use a Mari Stoudemireism, on paper, this is a team that can beat the Heat. You look at all the pieces, I mean, if they're playing like we've seen them play, especially last year, and, you know, it really took a heroic effort by LeBron James and, you know, it, it just a drive to win this third, the second title to knock off the Pacers. This is a team that can definitely 
beat the Heat. They have all the tools, and they have Chris Copeland, and that's that's good. <laughs> this is why they were put together. I mean, it, it has one of those older feels, kind of like the Pistons when they were trying to beat the Celtics in the late 80s. They're, they've fought hard against the Heat in prior years. They've been waiting for this moment, and if they get this Game 6 win – I, I think I would I wouldn't pick the Pacers because I would never pick against LeBron, but I would say it's about fifty one forty nine Heat if there does go to a game seven. That's they, a, that's do, exactly yeah. how I feel. Do, yeah. do do they get there though? Like let's make our let's make our pick and move on. No, they don't. The Heat are going to win at home. There ain't no in in home elimination games. They're not going to lose at home. I think also the Heat are going to to win Game Six at home and. And move on. I just I don't think there's any. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna lose this one. I think it will be the Heat. But everyone who's just completely writing off the Pacers, I just don't understand because there's no reason they can't win two games in a row against the Heat. There's just no. Will reason. it be close? Will it be close? This game? That's what I'm not sure. If the Heat win, I don't think win. it'll be. I don't think it'll be close. Yeah, I, I see at least win. twelve. But if the Pacers win, it will be close. Yeah, I think definitely if it's a close game, or I think I think if yeah, I think you're right. Um, and yeah, I mean I have. Um, I as well have the Heat winning, and it, like I said, a twelve-point game. And I think, I think Mike Epps will be there, even though you know, even though we we don't think he will. He's going to tweet a picture. We hear. Do you guys get that joke? You probably don't get that. No, joke. sorry. No, I don't. I know Omar Epps. I don't really know Mike. Yeah, right over my head. I don't even know who Mike Epps is, but he's apparently like a comedian, like this. I don't know. He's like a figure, and he tweeted a picture. We hear. Of uh, a few of the Pacers game in Indiana, but it turns out like the picture was an old picture, and they weren't wearing the same uniforms, and so everyone's making fun of them, <laughs> and it was like everyone was tweeting like pictures of like old battles, like three hundred people took a pic- like tweeted a picture three hundred, <laughs> like we here, you know what I mean? Because obviously he wasn't there, so I don't know. It was just it was a poor attempt to land a joke. I see. No, I appreciate the explanation though. It went over my it head to funny. start, but yeah, it was I really appreciate funny. it. Uh, we have to talk about, before we leave you, the Spurs and the Thunder, because we talked about it with Sean a good amount. But, guys, you know, this is a completely new series at 2-2. Two and at two and, two, and I, as much as I want to say the Thunder are going to lose, they have – I feel like they have control of this series. No, no. I'm all on the Thunder bandwagon because – you know, as you guys were talking about, like, who needs to step up for the Spurs? I don't really think it comes down to that. I think it comes down to the the Thunder have a distinct physical advantage, and no amount of adjustments, no amount of who plays when, how many minutes is going to affect that. Yeah, the reason I brought up Kawhi before is because he's like the one player on the Spurs who can match the athleticism. Boris Diaw can stick with players really well, but I think Kawhi Leonard's just really important. And I'm not on the Thunder bandwagon like you guys. I think the Spurs I'm are going to advance. I didn't say that. Oh, you, well, Matt said he was. I, I thought you were I, implying I I that you might, were. No, I, th- I said I think they might be in control of this series, but then I said I didn't want to say that. So. Yeah, well, I, I do think the Spurs are going to move on. I. I have a feeling it's going to go to seven, but I, I think the Spurs are going to do it. It's Pop just rested all his guys. They're going to come out, and I feel like tonight's just going to be a beating. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I feel like it's going to be an absolute I would, beat I down. Wanna, I want to say the Thunder will win in six, but I don't have the guts to say they'll win four in a row again. <laughs> so I'm going to say the Thunder in seven, but I really, really don't think the Spurs are going to be able to handle this team if Ibaka stays healthy. Um, th- I think Ibaka, he said he like wasn't 100%, but he thought that um, he like – he said. He said. Like he said mentally. I think he it was like he was there, but like physically, he wasn't. I don't know something. I just read a a report about that. But um, so he's. I don't think he's a hundred percent, but he's a huge factor for this team. I think if I, I, this is gonna sound weird, 
I've always been a Tiago splitter supporter. I think he's the X factor here. I think Tiago splitter can bang down there for the Spurs. We saw it last year, right in the playoffs. A little bit, yeah. Last year he was he wasn't like the you know the X factor, but he was a pretty big piece of what they were able to do, especially down low. I mean, I, I maybe not X factor. Maybe that's the wrong title to put on him. But I think he's gonna be um, an important part of this run for the Spurs if they want to get past the Thunder, especially because you have shop block. You have a shop blocker like Serge Ibaka down there. You have um, a big glob of flesh like Kendrick Perkins. I think he's big. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all I can really say about him. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, he's he's going to have to play a big role because now with Ibaka back, he's talking about like you said. Uh, uh, Ibaka, Perkins, and then Steve Adams. So there's really it's a three-headed monster, and with Ibaka in, it's a lot more athletic three-headed monster. So if if Spurs want to do anything, they're going to need a little down-low production, and Splitter's really the only guy that can offer that. I mean, I love Timmy, but he doesn't really bang like he used to. See, I'm looking outside more. I'm thinking, I think Kawhi, Bellinelli, and probably Danny Green. I think one I or two Bellinelli. of them. I think one or two of them really has to step up for them to just polish off this series, and. I don't Bellinelli know who it's going to be. Give me you Bellinelli. Think, I know. He didn't have a great last game, but I I always trust in Bellinelli. You know, spicy meatballs. I think he'll do it. I love that. I, I think I think he's completely, like, underutilized. So or, do I. You know, I, I not maybe not. Maybe, I don't know if that's a correct, like, I don't know if that's a real word, but he's not utilized correctly. Like, you know what I mean? He's, they should play him more. I mean, he's a good shooter. I think he proved this year that he was pretty important. And with the Bulls, he was he was. Yeah, good last and year. we can sit here and question Pop, but I think he knows right, what's I'm not, best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people who's like questioning LeBron James passing out of a, a double-teamed yeah. layup uh, because, no, Popovich definitely knows better than I do. Um, all right, any final thoughts before we get out of here, Mr. Rosenfeld? Well, I guess my final thought is I really want to see the Heat play the Thunder because I think I think it'll be a very good series. Like Sean was saying, I think that kind of series goes seven, and to see Kevin Durant against LeBron James like that—that's what this generation of basketball needs to see. I think we, I think we need, I think we need Serge Ibaka protecting the rim from LeBron James. I think we need yeah, to see it, but I don't think it's this year. I want Spurs getting revenge in the finals. I think that's what would be best. All right. Well, one thing is for sure: we'll be back next week, probably on Wednesday. I don't know. We'll just. Maybe even like this weekend. Well, Kevin and I are doing a show on 90.7 FM in New York, 1 to 4, if you can catch that. Matt Rosenfeld will be producing it. We'll try to like mix his his fun thoughts in there. I don't know. We'll try. Oh, it'll be great. you got to tune in. It'll be a good time. Oh, we'll talk a lot of basketball. Also some hockey. I'm wearing a Rangers shirt today. I noticed that, right? Let's I go, forgot to mention it. Let's go Rangers. Go Habs. Go Habs. Go. Ah, get out of oh, here. God. Ah, get this guy off the phone. All right. Yeah. We'll be back next week. We'll let you know at Kenny Ducey, at MattyRow16. Kev has a Twitter, but we're just not going to reveal it because it's not good enough. I haven't, gotta, I haven't even logged on. you got to get the tweet yeah. game up, man. Take care, guys.